0: So glad you're here this morning. You know, uh, several years ago, uh, right before Robin and I came to Owasso, we uh, took a trip to New York City, just um, uh, she and I. And I'd I'd been there a long long time ago, but it was was really interesting as we went. And I'm just not a good New Yorker because uh, if you've ever been there— there's lots of people. And and when you walk down the streets, I kept going, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. Hey, how are you? you know, I'm so <laughs> Rob was like, quit talking to everybody. And I was like, well, I, I don't, I mean, they were looking at me and, and these, these guys kept stopping me and talking to me and I'd stop and talk to them. And, and they were comedians and uh, they kept inviting us to this comedy thing. And I was like, ah, oh, we're really busy and I don't really have time to do that. And and uh and so one one night I kept running to this one guy, and every time I'd walk by, I'd be like, how are, y- how are y'all doing? Good to see you. Robin's like, Chris, you're killing me. And um, and I he stopped me again, he goes, Hey, you gotta come. He goes, I remember you. You talked to everybody, and and uh and he goes, he goes, it's like Seinfeld. I was like, Oh, okay, well our plans had fallen through and we kind of went to this, we said, Oh, let's let's do it. Let's just go. and I didn't know what to expect. And and we walked in the door, and they set us on the, on the second row and uh, and this guy gets up to work the crowd, I guess, and he looks at me the first thing he says, hey, where are you from Oklahoma." he goes "What do you do?" i go well, I'm, I'm a pastor." and he was like, "Oh no <laughs> and and I was like okay uh, and and um and, and I knew it shocked him well the first two comics come out and the first thing they said where's the pastor and I was like oh boy and um and so obviously they were nervous about this and um and it was it was really bad it was like Robin and I were going what are we doing here and um the third guy comes out and uh he starts his routine and and we were incredibly offended and, and I guess it was on my face. And this guy looks at me and says, you must be the pastor. And I was like, mm-hmm. And he goes, I, I've obviously offended you. And I wasn't gonna say no. I, I was like, yeah, you have. And uh, it was really a bad moment. It was weird, it was a weird moment. And, cause he's calling me out in front of the whole group. And, and uh, he said, um, he said, well, uh, let me ask you a question, pastor. He goes, do you go to one of those churches that actually help people? And I said, I I do. And he goes, oh, I guess that's good. He goes, well, I guess you can tell that Jesus wouldn't want me. It was a weird moment. And I said, no, he, he would. And he goes, well, you wouldn't want me to go to your church. And I go, yeah, yeah, I would and it was so weird and and he goes well i guess i'm going to in, in must who i am see you later and he leaves the stage and the guy that's the mc comes up and goes well that was weird and 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 we're all like it's so weird and and and, and this The next guy comes up, and he just was really bad. And so Robin and I, we said, it's time to go. So we get up. We're in the second row. We get up, and we start to walk out the door. And he makes a comment, oh, we finally got the pastor to leave. And they all kind of chuckled in there. And Robin was in tears. It was a bummer. It was terrible. It was embarrassing. I didn't know what to do. I was thinking, should I stand up and start preaching and repent and come to Jesus, all of you? I didn't know what to do. And... um, but we leave and it was just really strange. And I've I've prayed for that guy. And I've often prayed that he would remember that that Jesus would want him. That that we would want him. You know, because none of us in this room are perfect. We've not, we've all come from rebellion and disobedience. And all of us have done that. And um, but but you know his question to me, I'll never forget. Do you go to one of those churches that help people? Because even an unbelieving world, even somebody that, that does not believe what we believe, when they see a Christian that really puts God's word into practice, it makes a difference. And see, this morning, uh, we're going to look at this incredible passage in James James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And, and, and he's describing the difference between real religion that's supernatural and false religion that's superficial. And, and we know this, that religion can be good and bad. And, and there's so many wars that have been taken place. If you know the history of the world, so many wars have taken place in the name of religion. And, and you know, you can't turn on the news without seeing somebody that blows themselves up You know, because of their religious belief, and there's people that think if I if I kill somebody with from in the name of my religion, then I'm going to be immediately enter. I'll, I'll immediately enter heaven. And there's so many false ideas in the world, and and the word religion literally means this outward appearance of religious ritual. Now, in Baptist life, we don't use that word very much because you'll hear me say in a lot of um, churches like ours that, look, we don't need religion. We need a relationship, and that is absolutely true. We, we are called to this relationship with God, but, but in this passage in James, he is using the word religion in the exact content, context that God desires, and so we got to understand this. Will you stand with me and let's read James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If you're a guest today, we often stand in honor of reading God's word because this is his word, not ours. And so just out of respect for the word of God, let's follow this tradition that has been around for, for years and years with people standing in honor of the word of God. We, we, we honor that. James 1, 26 and 27 says this. If anyone thinks... He is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now as we, we kind of track through a book of the Bible, and we're, we're in the middle of that, and I want to tell you, next week, we're going to take a, a little departure from James. We're finishing chapter 1 today. Over the next four weeks, uh, starting next week, we're going to look at the the Easter story, The 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 arrest, the, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Christ all leading up to Easter. And then after Easter, we're going to come back into James 2 and finish the book. But I want to tell you we're going to finish chapter 1 today. But it's such an important text here. And, and when you read the Bible, you've got to make sure that you understand the context. You understand what, uh, you can't just pick out a verse and just leave it in isolation and, and not understand what's around it. And when you look at James 1, 26 and 27, as you hear James challenge us with this idea of, is your religion authentic? Are you an authentic believer? You've got to understand the context, which is back in verse 18. Because James is, I think, writing 26 and 27 with verse 18 in mind. I want you to look at it. Verse 18 says, he chose to give us birth the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Now now we understand from the Bible that from this verse that James is writing to believers, he's writing to those who have experienced birth in Christ. Now um, this verse, James 1:18, I think is one of the key verses to the entire book of James. Because he's telling us, look, the audience that he's writing to are those that have been born again. Like like many of us in this room, we were brought from death to life. Jesus saved us. We heard God's voice, and God drew us to him, and we experienced salvation. We were brought, we were dead in our sins, and Jesus made us alive. And that's who James is writing to, and he's saying to them, look, you've got to understand that that how you live your life, that's the book of James. He's pushing us to, to live our lives in the world. Now, verses 26 and 27 is, is this, it's, it's this description of what happens to a person after they are born again. And, and this is important. When we think about real Christianity, sometimes we think about things that take place inside the church, Right? We think about we come here and we, do these, we sing these songs and we take the Lord's Supper and we do these things. And that's part of an expression of being a Christian. But what James is talking about through his whole book is not what takes place in the church, but how we live out in the world. And this is important for us because as a believer, we are called to make a difference in the world that we live in. Now, before we dig into this, and, and I want to I say this, there's, there's, I want to make something very clear. All through the book of James, we don't hear James telling us, look, you do these things so that you can get to heaven. Okay? you got to understand that. There is nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. And I don't want you to come to this church and, and sit under the preaching and the, and the study of the word of God thinking that you can somehow earn your way to eternal life. You can't. That's a gift of God. Now I pray that that we all get that, that we understand that it's, it's the moment that, that our trust is in Christ, the moment we see Jesus for who he is, the moment we recognize that our sin is so big and we have to come to Jesus, God saves us. We are born again. And, and maybe you're here today and that's not happened to you. Well, can I tell you the reason that you're here is because the Holy Spirit is moving in you, drawing you, it's like Titus three five says this: God saved us not because of the righteous that we have done, but because of His mercy, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And see, God saved us by His work. You know, there's a friend of mine that I've been praying for, and, and he sent me a text this morning, and and I and, and he's struggling, and he's like, you know, I'm 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 he. He's searching, and I told him, you know, God's drawing you. God is speaking to you, and many of you, that's where you are. God is speaking to you. Now, I pray you listen to his voice. I pray you come and follow him. Now, the book of James is written to those that are believers, and he's basically saying, look, like Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are called to serve the Lord, like, like Bryn has illustrated for us today. The work of your hands, God has equipped all of us in unique ways, and he invites us to follow him. Now, in this passage, you've got to understand that James does not show how a person gets to heaven, but he's showing what it looks like, what, how a person looks that is already headed for heaven. And this is important to understand. We've got to honestly look at the way we live our lives, and I pray that today God speaks to us and shows us, gives us a vision, a picture of an authentic faith. Now, now look at this first point today in your notes. If you have them, I'd love for you to follow along, but I can tell my faith is authentic by the way I control my tongue. Look at 126, James 126. Now before he tells us about religion, he exposes false religion. He describes this person that is religious just in his head. He looks at verse 26, says, if anyone thinks himself to be be religious. So it's like this, you can go teach Sunday school, You you can give your tithe, you can sing in a choir or do all kinds of things that are religious, you can help a lot of people but the real test of Christianity, the real test of your faith is not what you look like on the outside. And I want you to hear this. The real test is how we live. And this is what James is telling us. He's like, look look at how you live. You know, God gives us these three tests right here in this passage. And and the first test of Christianity is is your tongue. More than your tithe, more than your testimony, your tongue tells about what you believe, what you think. Now, for, for me, all week, I've been going, man, this is convicting. Because our tongue reveals. And I want you to think about what your tongue says. What comes out of your mouth? Because James tells us if we don't control our tongue, we, we're deceiving our own heart. And this is why James is, writes this incredible book that is so convicting. It cuts to our heart. It, it, it deals with what, where we are on the inside, now, we, we understand that the, that the tongue is the thermometer. It tests how we live. It tests what we believe. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12. Look at this. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. He's talking to these Pharisees right here, and he's, and he's ticked at them. And, and they are these religious people. And this is what he says, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? Now, these are fighting words. I mean, this is Jesus getting up in their grill, these religious people, and he's like, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. And I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Now, Cheryl, I want you to leave that verse up for a second. But, but basically what he's saying right here, Jesus is saying is, look, what is in your heart comes out of your mouth. And this is why James is challenging the believers. He's saying, look, you've got to pay attention to what comes out of your mouth. You know, real Christianity controls his tongue. And James compares the tongue, it's interesting, to this wild horse. Uh, this wild horse, I, I can just picture this wild horse that's in a pen. When I was, my first church was in Thomas, Oklahoma, and they were always trying to get me to ride the Bronx in the Thomas Rodeo. And I was like, no way, that's crazy. My karate instructor always told me that if you ever had to fight a wrestler or a bull rider or a or a a wild horse rider, I don't even know what they're called, talk your way out of it. Because wrestlers are tough, and those guys that get on big animals and try to ride them are just nuts. So just talk your way out. Don't fight them. Okay? And so I just live my life by that. But, but you know, we've got to learn to control our tongue, right? The tongue is like this wild horse, my, my cousins live in Colorado, and they're so cool. They, they like going to the back country and lead people on hunting excursions and all this stuff. And and Gary told me once that you got to be careful when you're in the back country because if you say you could say something really really loud, and if and you could trigger an avalanche with your voice. You know, I thought about that. I thought, you know, life can be sometimes so delicate. And we, we've been there. We've probably been there. That that's one sentence, one judgmental statement, one, one critical word, it can trigger an avalanche of pain, of, of hurt, of devastation. And see, James tells us right here that if you're going to really walk with God, you got to pay attention to your tongue. This verse says, look at this, verse 37, Jesus said, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And, and I'll tell you, um, James 1, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Worthless means that dead, useless, profitless. It's pretty strong, isn't it? And this is the point of James that we've got to get. He's saying, look, you can, we cannot be a people that just talks the talk. We've got to live it. We've got to walk the walk everywhere we go. And what's beautiful about the the message to our hearts today is, is where we work, where we live, we've got to represent Christ. And this is the challenge of James. He's writing to Christians. They're saying, look, walk with me. Know me. Make sure you're paying attention to the testimony of your life. And so often the testimony of our lives are challenged by the words that we say. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, we should feel that conviction today. Let's not push that conviction aside. Let's embrace it. And let's, let's go to the Lord and say, Lord, help us control our tongue. Look at verse 27. He says this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, God the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Now, the second thing I want us to see, this threefold test of our authentic faith is this. I can tell my faith is authentic by how I care for those in need. Now, this is what James is telling us. Now, now real Christianity is, is really found in this heart for people. Like, when we follow Jesus, what God does is he gives us a heart for the things that God cares about, right? Right? And this is what God does. This is when, as you walk with Jesus, as you know him, you start paying attention to the things that he loves and he cares for. Like Psalm 68.5, a really cool verse that says this. God is speaking of God and referring to him that he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Now, we got to catch this <clears throat> because our concern is not just to be for orphans and widows. And you could think that. As you read this passage, that, that <clears throat> we just got to make sure we care for orphans and widows, and then we're good. Now, those are important things to do. <clears throat> we're having a widow-widower banquet coming up. We're planning it right now. Um, we, we try to take care of the widows in our church and, and there are, there are lots of fatherless kids and we have some people in our church that are that are foster, in foster helping with foster kids and, and i 'll tell you that 's a great ministry we ought to We ought to be adopting kids and, and this ought to be a passion of ours as a church and, and I know many families in our church have done that, and you 're right in the middle of caring for these and <clears throat> But I want you to understand this, that that real Christianity is not just confined to these two groups, but orphans and widows represent something. Now, I want you to see this. Orphan and widows simply represent two groups of people. The orphan represents the homeless. The widows represent the helpless. The orphans are, are those who need protection, and the widows represent those who need provision. I want you to see that. That that James is saying, look, when you follow Jesus, when, when you walk with the Lord, you notice those who need provision around you. You notice those who need protection around you. You become a church that really helps people. See, this is what makes a difference in a lost world. And, and this is important to understand because Jesus taught us about this. And, and he even said this in Matthew 25. I want you to see this. He, he says this, the, the, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when, do you, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say unto you, as you did it to the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. And see, the scripture moves us. When we walk with the Lord, we pay attention to people in need. We pay attention to people who need provision. We pay attention to people who need protection. And see, so many churches miss this. They turn inward. They focus on themselves. And we've got to recognize God did not plant us here. God did not give us the gifts he's given us to keep it for ourselves. And I don't want you to miss that message today. Our willingness to serve those who are hurting really gives us evidence that our our faith is authentic 1 John 3, 16 through 18, I want you to see this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We know that Jesus died for us. And because of this, we ought to lay lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? little children let us not love in word or talk but in deed and truth you see we are a church that god has blessed tremendously we are a people that god has blessed tremendously and because of that we he did not bless us for us to be inwardly focused no he blessed us To make it for to use us to make a difference in the world, and we've got to see that. That's why we're 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 following through with the mission. Years ago, in 2008, our church started the mission, which is you know a, a facility on Main Street where we are ministering to those in need right in our community. And I'll tell you, with all the affluence around us, it is easy for us to ignore the needs of people in our community. You, you go spend time with a teacher and you ask about the needs of the kids in our community. And I'll tell you, you could ask any, if you're a teacher, I want you to stand up right in this room. If you're a teacher, just stand up right where you are. You, you look at them and I want you to ask them. I'm gonna put them on the spot. You didn't, you didn't know you were gonna be a part of the sermon today. Me either, just came to me. Um, but, but you know, I want you to look at these people. You ask them about the needs of the children and the families in our community. Thank you. You all can be seated. I'll tell you, we have got to be a church that opens our eyes to them. And this is what James is saying. This is why the mission exists. This is why we've got to follow through with this vision and and build this building on on Garnett and get this off the ground and and make sure the mission is, is off to the races like it should be. Uh, This is what James is saying right here. That that when you follow Jesus, you're going to pay attention to those in need. You're going to pay attention to those who who need protection, who need provision. That's who we've got to be. Now, James uses a third example here. Look at verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, look at this, and to keep oneself Unstained from the world. Okay, we gotta hear this. One of the tests of our authentic, of our faith being authentic. We've already heard this: the way we control our tongue, but by the way we take care of those in need, and thirdly, we see that by the purity of my life. That that James gives us this test and this incredibly, incredible statement here. The this challenge to keep yourself unstained by the world look at that verse in 27 the word that word unstained comes from this greek word that gives us our english word spill it it means this life that that is spilled upon my wife gives me a hard time because i just found out that when the cleaners brings we get a shirt from our cleaners there's a tag on there that says we can't get this stain out And I am inevitably, like, on my way to church going, oh, I don't need a lid for my coffee cup. And I I spill stuff on my shirt all the time. And Robin's like, yeah, that's not coming out. Sorry. But that's the picture here. It's these people who have stained on them. We're, We're stained by the world. And see, this is describing a life that looks the same on Monday that it does on Sunday. And see, this is the challenge through Lent, that we're, we're challenging ourselves, look, to know what it is to, to know Jesus as Lord of your life, Lord of all. So we've got to get rid of that, that idea that I live one way at church and another way at work or at home. No, it's gotta be the same. And I'll tell you, as a one of the big greatest convictions I have in my life is is the fact that my children hear me preach. And and I'll tell you, there are times that I'm I'm with you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm in the middle of striving to live according to scripture. And they see me when I make mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. And I'll tell you, I'm convicted to make sure that I, what I live in front of you as your pastor, I live, more importantly, the same way in my home. And folks, this is what we've got to do. We've got to understand this. This verse is talking about being separated from the world, separation from sin, from ourselves. It's a reminder that we're to be in the world but not of the world. And, and this is important for us to recognize you know, it's like when we went to Star Wars. Uh, we went and saw that Star Wars, the Star Wars movie, not too long ago, and whenever it came out, and there was a sign at the front that says, "No lightsabers and and uh, your little gun things or masks allowed in the in the theater." I'm like, man, these people are serious about Star Wars. I mean, coming all dressed up. And I'd learned, look, you don't have to dress up like Star Wars to see Star Wars, right? So often we don't have to act like the world to reach the world. And we've got to hear this. We are called to look different as a Christian, to be different. There are things we should walk out of. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was, emb- Rob and I were embarrassed when we got up in that place and walked out and they were ridiculing us. You know what? It was worth it. It was worth it. I mean, we didn't get up and I'm glad I didn't just make a fool of myself. And I really believe God led us in that moment to be a witness, to say to that man and to say to all those people that Jesus would want you, and so would we. You know, let's not miss this today. We're called to look different. Now I wanna throw up some questions today, just some good questions, I want you to write some of these down, because here's some questions to evaluate, is my life like it should be? What, first question is this, what, what do I think about the most? It's a good question to evaluate today. What do you think about the most? What, what do I want the most? It's another question. What is it that right now you want the most? How do I use my money? That's a really great question to evaluate the money that you spend and and what you do with that. Another good question, what do I do when I'm just hanging out, when I'm just by myself and no one's looking? What do I look at? What do I do? What kind of people are my best friends? This is a great question. Now, the truth is we've got to build relationships with people that don't know Christ. But but let's not be mistaken, we've got to be the influencer, not the influenced. And we're called to be an influencer everywhere we go. Another question, who do I admire? Who is it that I admire, really admire? Here's Here's a good one. What do I laugh at? What kind of stuff do I laugh about, laugh at? I want you to hear this verse, 2 Corinthians 6. 16 and 17 says this. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. See that. Look at that. Go back to that, Cheryl. Because we, you and I, those that have been born again are the temple of God. The work of your hands. The things that you're good at. goes on. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And, and this challenge here is that, is that we're to be different. We, we, are to be, we are to be separate from the world. We're not to be isolated from the world, but we're to be insulated from the world. And I want you to see that. You and I are called to be insulated from the world. We can't pull out of the world. We can't, get a, we can't ignore the world and run away from the world and seclude ourselves. No, we're called to it. But, but let me tell you something. We're to be different. Romans 16, 19, a really cool verse. It says this, for the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And see, this is our call. We're to be different. And as a believer, as one who has been, who has, who has trusted Christ as their Savior, we're going to baptize a guy in the next service, a young adult man. And, and you know, he's telling the world, look, Jesus wash my sins away. And those of us that have said, "Look, I have been forgiven by God, I've been, I've, been, I've been changed by Him." That's what James is saying, is, is it is impossible. It is not right for you to know Jesus and not walk with Him, not be growing to look like Him. And so often, we are stained by the world. And, and we got to get that right. We've got to hear that today. Now, I believe this. The world's not sick and tired of Christianity. It's not. The world is sick and tired of Christians who aren't living it. And I'll tell you, if we live it every day, it's not going to be Perfect. But we, we will see lives changed. And I, I don't want you to miss that today. You know, I want you to pull out your, this thing. I want, you to tell you, I want to tell you what this is about. At our church, Keith Davis, is God has just anointed him in his life. And I'm so glad he's on our staff. Keith leads our missions team, and he's one of our lead pastors here. And he was our youth pastor here for forever. He's like, he was like the legendary youth pastor in, in the state of Oklahoma. He still is, even though he's not a youth pastor anymore. But, but God moved in his heart years ago, and he, and he was praying about how we reach kids, and he moved our student ministry to, to do my one. And every year, our students have led the way in this, and they've taught us this, and, and, and they've prayed for one friend in their life, and they've tried to get them to come to camp or Elevation Weekend or, or a Wednesday night, and, and, and they've been praying for them. And so many of us, every year, we're going to do this in a couple, weeks, a couple months. As our kids go to camp, we're going to get bracelets like this with, with their friends' names on it. And we're going to begin praying for these kids for God to speak to them. You know, the truth is, like Mike Henry over here has taught us taught, and blows me up all the time and is correct about it, that, that, look, we are all missionaries and we all go to work tomorrow on our mission field. And that's exactly true. And he's been saying to me, when are we gonna pray for all of us that go to work on Monday for our mission field? Well, it's today, my friend. Right here, I want you to think about, you that know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to think about who is the one person that God has put in your life that if they died today, they'd split hell wide open. Here's what I want us to do today. There are Sharpies like in your close by. We have three Sharpies per row. Now we need this for the next service, so if you like Sharpies, buy one somewhere else, but let us have these because we need them next week, next service, but, um, but here's what I want you to do. Right now, I want you to ask the Lord who is it in my life that I love, I care about, and they need you? I want you to write that name in just a minute. I want you to write that name on this, on this little blue thing. And what we're going to do is I want you to leave them in your chair. And next week we're going to pass these out to all over our church. And I, w- I want you to take one next week. But it may be kind of awkward if you're sitting next to somebody and they're like, dude, what's my name on your, on your wrist? Stalker, you know, or whatever. But, and it's okay to say, man, I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm going to text a guy today, the guy I'm putting on. He doesn't know it. I'm playing tennis with him, and I'm going to tell him I'm praying for him. So, I want you to put that name on there. And I want you to leave it. You know, f- about five weeks from now is Easter Sunday. And I'll tell you, the Passion Week experience is going to be right before Easter. That is something that I want to challenge you to invite someone to. We're going to share the gospel. They're going to see Jesus on that, through that experience. You'll see. You'll hear about it. But Easter Sunday's coming. Most people will come to church if they're invited. We're going to help you share the gospel with your friends. But let's start praying for them. Folks, James is telling us life's short, follow Jesus. This is one thing that can't be mildly important for us because see for us we are we are not just wasting our time or filling our sunday mornings eternity is in the balance and we're called to the front lines of god's work in the world let's follow jesus let's be authentic Right now, I want you to bow your head. And as your heads are bowed, this may be a good time for you to write that name. You don't have to close your eyes. I want you to write that name. In our, in our invitation, we're, that's what we're starting right now. And, and as soon as you finish writing that name, I want you to stand and join us and sing. And, and maybe you're here today and you, you need Christ as your Savior. You could come right where you are. Maybe you need to get right. Maybe you to confess things from your tongue, your mouth. Maybe your life has not been consistent. It's time to change that. And today's the day to do it. Let's walk with Jesus. Our invitation is started. Our altars are open. Lord Jesus, would you move us?